Jeff Harding here again with PS Tech, and I'm here with Tim. How's it going, Tim? Hi, Jeff. Doing okay, thank you. I hope you are too. We're bringing you the third installment of the PS Tech and COVID-19 or coronavirus issues. I, You know, I'm going to be a rebel today. I don't have my mask on right now, so I hope nobody writes in or complains about it, but I think you're safe from me today. I wanted to start out first. There was... Uh, a PS Tech user and also a therapy uh, practitioner that uh, mentioned a few points. So I wanted to mention a couple of these things. He quoted a gentleman named Dr. Roger McIntyre. I, I don't know anything, any background about this, but a good point was made here. And he's a professor of psychiatry and pharmacology at the University of Toronto. He said in a recent interview that social distancing, social isolation, quarantining, and stay at home and don't go to work is, in his view, one of the biggest assaults on mental health ever recorded. Again, this is opinion because, you know, one's bigger than the other, worse than the other. You know, these kind of things are thrown out, and that's fine. The bottom line is we do know that there's a lot going on that's new, that someone could call it drastic. But the bottom line is there is something new going on here in how behavior is being coordinated in a way around the world. Right, Tim? Yeah, absolutely. it's every country, isn't it? And I think it's it's a good point to bring up because not to scare someone or say there's going to be an assault on mental health like never before. And maybe it's true, maybe it's not. But uh, the point being, I wanted to highlight it so that we're aware that there may be things you've never encountered before in your perception through coming through your mind model that you've never experienced before and you're not sure how to handle it. But that doesn't mean you can't. But just to be aware of it, that it could be a possible issue. And then if something comes up, emotions come up that are difficult, then utilize the PS Tech tools for emotions, click tracks, et cetera, the various click tracks. If you have beliefs that are being exposed, and you will have that for most people, it'll expose the negative beliefs that are limiting to you in life in general. And you can address those with things like PS Tech negative belief blasters and then follow up with PS Tech positive in some way and in the different ways that we've mentioned and we'll mention some more today on, on another subject. So what are your thoughts on that, Tim? It is opinion, isn't it? And just because somebody has expressed it doesn't necessarily mean that it is the case. That it, It's interesting he talks about it being one of the biggest assaults. I'd be interested to know if all the other ones were. In some ways, I think it's quite it's quite an important to, point to raise because when people are separated and isolated and everything changes, then you've got to deal with it mentally. So in some regards, I think, yes, it's important. And if he's put that out through the media, the mainstream media, um, people are listening, then if it gets people talking about mental health or thinking about how to how to stay mentally fit as well as physically fit then it's a it's a worthwhile comment but on the on the flip side i think the possible drawback with it is that we don't really want people worrying about their mental health because that's not a good thing either but yeah so i think in some way it's it's a valid point but i don't think it's worth getting hung up on under all circumstances it's worth doing what you can to make sure that you are in a happy, comfortable, relaxed, sort of at peace state of mind. And so that's it's good practice anyway. I suppose it's a bit like going to the gym, isn't it? There are, there are people who go to the gym or walk every day and they, they stay physically fit, doing those sorts of things, paying some attention to your mind, your mental health, and making that part of your 
daily or weekly routine is a is a worthwhile valid thing and all around the world there are people locked down who are looking at how to get exercise without leaving the house or whatever you know looking at mental health under the sim under similar circumstances i think is yeah it's it's an important thing but the one thing i do think is it's is not to be frightened about it just be proactive take steps to make sure that you are in a, a relaxed frame of mind which is always the best one to have and um, because when you're relaxed you make the best decisions because you can make decisions far better when you've got a clear head another theme along this that he mentioned as well was you'll well he said never but i would say rarely hear medical experts and in some ways i'd rather call some of them on tv medical bureaucrats or opinionators but anyway you won't hear a lot talked about in these terms about nutrition about health of the mind and in the importance in of the mind in building and installing as he says strong beliefs so that it also contributes to building a stronger immunity or a stronger ability to, for your body to heal and your mind to heal and I think that's a good point as well. And I think that's what we're advocating here in these three parts is to take more control over what you have. And that's your mind, correct? Actually, Jeff, it reminds me of one of the first things that occurred to me when we saw what was going on in Wuhan. Then, of course, it was Italy particularly. And I was looking at the death rates amongst people who have been hospitalized and something interesting occurred to me, which I'm pretty sure I didn't mention it on part one or part two, which was about uh, suggestibility. Uh, and it's something that is not, doesn't seem to have been talked about at all in this context. But it's one thing that obviously I, as a hypnotist, hypnotherapist, use extensively is people's inbuilt, innate responsiveness to suggestion it's how we learn things and obviously i've talked about that on various different tutorials all the rest of it but we are very very suggestible and if you suggest certain outcomes to people then typically that as long as their subconscious mind grabs hold of that suggestion it will quite happily convert it into a reality and one of the things that that happens with the uh, you know a pandemic like this is that You've got the media pumping out all of this doom and gloom type stuff, which is seems to be designed to make people fearful. But the one thing you don't want, if you're unwell, is fear, because it doesn't work in your favour. It works against you. But we're also being told, you know, it's a it's a oh, it's a deadly virus. It's killing people left, right, and centre. All the rest of it. In reality, nobody really knows what the percentages are. It may be that there's actually quite a large percentage of the populations have already had it. I certainly know quite a number of people who've had it and recovered from it with, without any problems. And they know they have because they've had tests. But there will be other people who've had it and recovered who've never had a test. So we don't really know what the percentages are. But the media seem to be intent to sort of on painting it as bad as possible. What occurred to me was that if people are very highly suggestible, if somebody is very highly suggestible and they're watching this and they're being told, oh, this is, you know, it's a terrible thing. You're going to feel, you'll feel awful. Oh, you might die, all the rest of it. Because people are so suggestible, it actually pushes them in that direction. 
Mm. Which one of the reasons why I suggested that pe- people don't immerse themselves in the stuff that the media is pumping out because you know it's it's about them making money. It's not about distributing news or whatever. It is. It's always about the money. Um, but also because we're suggestible, it's not the kind of programming that you really want. So it leads me back to this, and we've talked about it already, Jeff, this idea of getting rid of the fear. So if if you are fearful about anything related to this, and particularly the virus itself, then definitely click track it and get that down because fear doesn't work for people. And we we know this from personal experience from my wife's time on the liver unit in Newcastle when she had you know liver failure chronic rejection of her first transplanted organ she was there for about six months and she obviously she saw lots of people come into that hospital ward and she saw lots of people leave and some people left having recovered some people left having had transplants and been successful and some people left not being successful they died but universally what we saw amongst the people that weren't successful and didn't leave was fear, a lot of fear, spend a lot of time talking about how ill they felt, how awful it was, how they didn't want to be there, how they weren't going to make it, all the rest of it. You could see the same pattern being repeated over and over and over again with different people coming in. And the, the attitude that they took played an enormous part in the reality of their recovery or non-recovery. So I think, yeah, we're talking about this, Jeff, but it has very, very real consequences. So the more that somebody can do to get themselves into this relaxed state where, yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, I think sooner or later we're all most, we're all probably going to catch it in, at some stage, but you're more likely to do well if you expect to do well, yeah, deal with the fear, I think, is the most important thing. That's a good point. And the gentleman that shared some of these points that I'm bringing up in this intro to this part also mentioned that he had to take his adult child to the ER a couple times because he's consuming the news daily. And he started believing he had the virus because he wasn't feeling well. Now, the recommendation was, hey, turn it off. It's not going to help you. But then he started experiencing some symptoms, the symptoms that they share on there. And recently I saw the U.S. CDC now expanded the list of symptoms that could be part of the virus. So it wasn't just three or four. Now it's, I don't know what it is, six or eight different symptoms. And so they were talking about these symptoms. And so he got more and more worried. So he went in twice and both times, came up empty, nothing there. So the suggestions are very, very important. And it comes back to, and I forget where I heard this. This was years ago. We've all heard of the placebo, right? You, You take something with the belief that it'll help you and it does help you. But there's also the term somebody used once, the nocebo, where I tell you you're sick and you become sick in essence. Yeah, and uh, and it's a very very well documented phenomenon. And when medical students, you know, doing their training, it's very very common for them to, as they go through all of these diseases and medical conditions, learning about them, for them to 
believe that they've got all sorts of things wrong with them. It's, but again, that's well documented. It happens, <laughs> happens on a regular basis. And so they're feeling ill, bad, unwell, worried, anxious, all the rest of it, for absolutely no reason whatsoever. The nocebo effect is, uh, it's a really, really fascinating thing, Jeff. But yes, it's very real. It goes along about the pointing of the bone, where someone would put a curse on someone, thinking, you know, it's done in a magical way. And then the person up and got sick and died. And there was really nothing intrinsically wrong with them. Our belief patterns and the other things that go toward building a mind model, the, as you say, the law of three, the emotions, the beliefs, the behaviors, all contribute to our ability to function well, effectively, efficiently. The virus is real. The little micronic, however small it is, it's a real biological aspect but the effect it has on each person can be unique. And most people don't even know they have it. That is now proving out. And those that have some effect are very slight. And that doesn't mean when people have vulnerabilities, you don't take care of it. But it also doesn't mean if you don't have that vulnerability that you implement aspects and live your life in a way out of fear and doing things that aren't necessary. Yeah, it does. Again, I've talked about this on some of the tutorials and so forth, but I I am unusual as far as hypnotherapists go in that I like to demonstrate hypnotic phenomena. And one of the most striking and obvious ways to do that is to stick a client to the chair or something so they can't get out. And sometimes I'll offer them money. And I've uh, on occasions, I've offered them a couple of hundred pounds to get out of the chair. With that kind of level of responsiveness, I've got absolutely no doubt that if I were to say to somebody, if you get this virus, you're going to be in a terrible state, that that would be the reality. But equally, if I were to say to them, if you get the virus, then actually it's going to go pretty well and you're barely going to notice it. Expectations and beliefs that you have about it are clearly going to make a difference. And even if they didn't, it makes more sense to be relaxed about it rather than waste your time worrying about something that you can't necessarily change. Okay, so we just have a actually only really one big category, and that has to do with losing jobs, losing businesses, struggling with finances, those kind of losing work, those kind of aspects. But before we get to that, I and we did talk about this quite a bit already, but I just wanted to emphasize it one more time, and that's anger in general. It comes from a comment where somebody says, I'm finding myself becoming angry to the point where I'm swearing at my wife in different ways and doing it in front of the children, just a general anger. So Tim, you know, if, if you find yourself just generally angry, what should someone start to look at? Well, I think if you're generally angry, first and obvious answer is to explore no more anger which is designed for general anger, which is if somebody hasn't come across it or hasn't used it, it's not a tapping track. It's a bit like no more anxiety. The two, those two tools are very, very similar. Basically just listen and think very, very carefully about what, what's being said. But they are quite powerful. And so for general anger, that's the thing that I typically recommend. But it's a good idea to look and see if, you, if there's anything specifically that triggers it. And typically, you you will find that there are certain things that fire that anger off. And if you can identify some kind of path, then you can click track it because you can be more specific. Those are the simplest ways to go about it. It comes down to finding out why. Why are you angry? 
Well, it it does. Somebody can become angry for other reasons. It's not necessarily going to be about anger. It might be frustration. Sure. Or it could be anxiety, which is being manifested as anger. If somebody gets very, very stressed about things, mm-hmm. they're very anxious, they're very worried, they can manifest other undesirable emotions as well. And Peter Owen has a wonderful way of explaining this, which is this idea of your emotional barrel. That you, If you fill your emotional barrel completely, then it all starts to spill over. So the best thing you can do is drain this barrel which means that if you start identifying anything that bothers you, anything that upsets you, and you click track it and you clear it, then what you're actually doing is you're you're emptying that barrel so that things then don't spill over, whatever it, that emotion might be. One of the things that you can do for a sort of generalized anger, as well as identifying any specific causes or using no more anger to deal with that sort of general problem is to look at the other things that are really worrying you upsetting you bugging you and click track those because by doing that what you actually do you you reduce the quantity of sort of unhelpful emotions which are sloshing around in your system so then you're much less likely to explode And and that's what i was referring to when i said the reason why are you angry or whatever the emotion is it comes down to And we talked about this a little bit about not being at ease. The question would be, why are you not at ease? What's your reason for not feeling at ease? And begin to, you know, ask those questions and delve a little bit more. I ask quite often, what's your greatest fear? Because usually when there's anger, there's fear behind that. Usually fear is at the, the base of, you know, all the other emotions. I'm sad because I'm fearful. You know, I'm angry because I'm fearful. So, you know, when we see an angry person, that's quite the bully, if you will. There's usually fear underlying a lot of that. You want to delve down, find the source of these kind of things, as I like to say, as they say here in Hawaii, nana ike kumu, but look to the source. Yeah, and one of the things that is actually probably worth mentioning here, Jeff, is absolutely I agree, and I think it's a very, very good way of explaining it. The person that's asking this question, it's good that they're asking the question. So one of the things that typically happens with people if they get very, very angry is that they'll feel very, very guilty. And they'll also, sometimes they'll start to really hate themselves for for the things that they're doing because they, they typically lash out at the people that matter the most to them. That anger and that hate, uh, the sort of hatred directed inwards towards oneself is not desirable or helpful in that context either. Any guilt that's attached to it is worth clearing. And so is any sort of self-hatred. Because the, they are, again, they're undesirable emotions. You know, t- like I said, this, this emotional barrel, they're part of it. They're, they're a constituent part. So it's something else that you can clear. So I, I mentioned this because when it comes to money issues, finances, job work, whatever, when we have challenges in those areas, quite often people respond with anger. I wanted to emphasize, like you talked about, that, when we have general feelings, general thoughts, you might have to drill down a little bit and find the reasons why to really unroot these kind of aspects that are be so bothersome. But also, as virus popularity, if you will, for lack of a better phrase, starts to wane a bit and people are realizing the money's running out in a lot of aspects, I think the anger is going to become, might be a little more heightened because people are going to be painted into the corner 
in a lot of ways financially. And quite often when we put people in a corner, quite often, you know, people will respond angrily. So this is something to consider and look at so that you can respond calmly. And like Tim said, then you can make better decisions. And even if it seems like you're in a corner right now, the truth is you really aren't, number one. And number two, because when you're in a corner, that indicates virtually no possibilities. And that's not true. So when we take care of anger and the other emotions like this and the beliefs that go along with them, then we can open things up. We can make changes and different decisions, maybe go in different directions than we were previously that will be profitable, that will at least be able to afford us to take care of our families, to take care of ourselves, etc. And with less effect from outside influences like they, it's having on so many people right now. So this other category has to do with losing work, losing jobs, having finances reduced, sometimes ob- obliterated. <laughs> so let's start with fear of losing job. And, and it, this, this is a good topic or subject to consider, Tim, because not just now, but always, you know, a lot of people have a job and they kind of operate pretty much all the time with the fear of losing it. How would someone apo- approach the fear of losing their job? Well, I think there's, there's a practical thing that someone can do, obviously, but it needs to be done in advance, which is if you're holding that, suppose somebody's holding down a job for sort of 10, 20, 30 years, and they're working for an employer, they've done that job since they left school. There's a, there is a tendency amongst a lot of people to do that and not invest any time or effort in learning to do anything else. But obviously that is a good idea because there's no guarantee that any particular job will last for a lifetime. It's something that requires planning. It's not something that can be done at the very last moment. But if somebody listening is in long-term employment, you know, is expecting to be doing the same work until they retire, uh, I would suggest as a practical consideration, it is worth training to do something else so that if that ever happens, you can do something else. So anyway, so that's, a, that's like a practical thing. As far as work goes, you know, we talked on one of the other conversations, we talked about change and, and fear of change. The fact that as we go through life, everything changes. It, things don't stay the, ta- the same. There is always change and you just have to get used to it because there always will be. You might just as well go with the flow, accept that things are going to change. And sometimes those changes might not be very comfortable as you go through them, but that doesn't necessarily make them bad. They aren't always bad. And there can be, there can be some amazing benefits that come out of some awful things. The conversation that we're having here, Jeff, and the fact that we, you know, we've known each other for what, uh, 10 years now, that would not have happened were it not for the fact that Karen, my wife, got very ill and that led me to leave my work as a computer analyst, become a hypnotherapist, then to, then work on PS Tech and do various other things. None of that would have happened were it not for the fact that we went through some very, very awful and difficult experiences. And as you know, Karen's been terminally ill three times. She's survived three times. And those experiences were hard and they weren't very pleasant. But the one thing I can say, and we've talked about this, Karen and I, is that we would not go back and change anything because the things that we've learned and the things that we've gained from it 
have been worth having. Life is a journey. It's a journey that's meant to be lived. And you do go through difficult times, but you get you can get a lot out of them as well. It's not necessarily all bad. And just because life changes, it's, it, and that change might be uncomfortable, and it might seem very hard and very unpleasant and, and frightening as you go through it even, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad thing. You might be being moved in a very, very positive direction. You're just not aware of it. So that's something that I can relate from our own experience. Obviously, if somebody is very, very fearful about losing income, there will be concerns attached to that, which, you know, how do I feed the family, all the rest of it. But you'll get through it. The way that you know that is because... Other people have been through similar things and they get through it. Again, one of the things that's happened while we've been on this lockdown is I've had more time to watch things like YouTube. And I watched a fascinating video the other day. There's this van life movement where people have been selling up and buying van, converting vans, living in the vans, earning a living while they tour America or South America or wherever. There's quite a healthy van life movement. So people are choosing to shed a lot of the things that most people want, are sort of desperate to hang on to. And that's only going to happen if somebody's looking at things in a different way. There was a guy who was, one of these particular videos that we watched was a guy grew up in Saudi. His dad was a very, very wealthy businessman, millionaire. And he decided that he was going to be a millionaire at a younger age than his dad has achieved, had achieved it. And sure enough, he was. He managed to build a number of very successful businesses. He was a multimillionaire by the time he was in his early 30s. He said that they showed photographs of his lifestyle, which looked, you know, it was all the luxury yachts, all the rest of it, the girls, everything that he wanted, basically he could have it. And he said he was incredibly unhappy. Now... He's living in a van. He's got almost no possessions. He's running businesses, but he's running businesses to fund charities, building schools and things like that. With the money from the businesses that he's making, he's not spending any of it on himself. He's spending it on other people. And he, he said that he is happier and more content now than he has ever been in his entire life. This idea that change and losing income the fact that things are not going to be the same as they have been is not necessarily something to be feared and there are plenty of people if you actually go to the trouble of finding them because a lot of them are now posting videos on youtube and other places if you actually go to the trouble of looking to see what other people have done and the things that other people have described it's not necessarily a bad thing so that's n nothing to do with percussive suggestion but perspectives which hopefully might help jeff i don't know yeah absolutely and to move along that subject with ps tech like you said when you lose a job the majority of people classify that as a bad thing but it's neither bad nor is it good neither it's just an event now what you do with the event how you respond that's the important part. And the thing is, if I define losing a job as a bad thing, it's usually because I have fear around it. 
if I have somebody really stuck on something where they're fearing something that hasn't happened, and I even question them, I, you know, the, the aspects of their work, of their job and the position and what they're doing, and there's really no indication whatsoever that would say they might lose their job. It's just a statement and a belief and, and, and an emotion that goes along with it. So one of the places that I start with them is to imagine the worst. Okay, let's imagine you lose the job. How do you feel about that? And all this emotion comes up. So we click track it. Not so that we prevent them from losing the job, because again, losing the job is neither good or bad by definition, but so that they are not responding to it. Because maybe losing the job is the best thing in that situation. I want them to become more neutral about events at their face value so that then they can make those decisions more wisely and with more of their full mind faculty, you know, without, with less conflicts. Cause there's many people that I know that I've, I've known personally and I've worked with from the standpoint of having a lot of money, like you just talked about in that story, having a lot of money and not being happy. I've also talked and worked with people that are, in a job, you know, making decent money at least and, you know, paying the bills and all that kind of thing. And again, not happy. They don't, they're, they're not enjoying their life. Their life sur- is surrounded around survival and that's it. Or making money and paying the bills. I'm not even sure if that can be always defined well as surviving, but all of these things come down to the definitions that we give them. And that's the kind of control that we do have, how we define these things. Is the coronavirus event happening now? Is this a calamity? Is this the worst ever? Is, you know, we talked about in the beginning, some opinions will say. Or is it another one of these events that happen in this world because of fear? And am I going to be different than I have been in the past? And or am I going to be different than the rest and the majority of the world that is responding in fear? Because what I'm proposing is that if you're listening to this and you used to fear these kind of aspects and you are able to shift your mind model and your perception so that you don't fear these kind of things any longer, you turn someone else on to that new perception and they turn on two people and to, you know, et cetera, maybe then. Now that's the kind of herd immunity that I'm looking for. If enough people aren't fearful, then when a virus comes on that does have some dangerous aspects to certain people, we'll know exactly what to do with that as a group, as a collective. But as long as fear, and, and I, I, I'm seeing fear, and it's just an estimate and just, a, just my own view and what I'm seeing and hearing from people is 80, 90% of the people are afraid of it. And some of them have already had it, I'm sure, have the antibodies. And not only are they immune, but they, they didn't get sick and they're still afraid of it. So the emphasis here is to handle the fear and then go back within your mind and go, what's the truth here? What do I do? Or maybe do nothing in the moment because in some ways we'll just have to kind of wait. My wife and I have a local business that does really well for the niche that it's in. It does probably as well or better than most on this island. It's down to zero for about a month, month and a half now. And I don't know if it'll come back. And what I mean by that is I don't know. I know people will come back to Hawaii and it's based on that, but I don't know if they'll come back in the next two months or if it's six months or if it's six years. I don't know. When it does come back and we decide it's still right for us, then we'll be ready and we'll ramp it up again. And if not, then we won't. 
the other, and I wanted to kind of tail on one of your aspects there when you talked about the, the gentleman with the vision of being like his father or even better at it, but he wasn't happy. We talk about this, Tim and I, in Think and Grow Rich with PS Tech in terms of your vision. Be complete with your vision. If all you're worried about is paying the bills, then that's probably all you're going to end up with. And that's the problem when we approach things with fear. We're not complete in our vision of what's ideal for us and all the people around us for the highest good. When we have fear, we don't do that. You can't do both. You can't do what's for the highest good of everyone and yourself around you if you're living in fear. So when it comes to you know fear of losing a job, fear of losing a business, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit. One of the recommendations I have is to really immerse yourself, as Tim talked about, you have to do this ahead of time so that when these issues do come up, you have the resources to pick yourself up or you know take from that point and build again, whether it's a new job, whether it's a new business, et cetera. And Think and Grow Rich with PS Tech goes really deep in a lot of those aspects and has a lot of unique tools that you don't see anywhere else to support that vision, whatever that vision is. But if I have a vision, I'm going to be a millionaire, but I don't think about the aspect of being happy being a millionaire, then I may end up directing myself into doing things like your, the example you gave to him, doing things that, yeah, okay, I'm a millionaire, but it's, you know, I'm miserable. We have to be aware of those aspects and be more whole minded about all of this. And it starts with clearing the fears and the anxiety and the anger and all those other aspects. Yeah, it does. I absolutely agree about all of it. Uh, the, there was just one other thing that occurred to me, which is this idea of def- defining ourselves in a particular way. And if somebody is doing a particular kind of job and defines themselves by that job, I am a dot, 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 whatever that might be, and you can't see any other possibility, that's a very, very inflexible mind model or way of looking at reality it's much better if you can say well at the moment i am a dot 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 or i have been a dot 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 but maybe i could be something else i was talking to somebody today who has seen his business completely wiped out uh, as a consequence of this and he's already researching the things that he's going to need to start a completely different business he's going to go in a completely different direction and he's excited about it but it's not something that he would have done were it not for these circumstances. And the conversation that we had today, in many ways, is actually quite pleased that this has happened because he's been pushed into doing something that he's been thinking about for ages but hasn't done anything about. It's a business that once things start to normalise, he expects to do far better than the one he's been doing for the last 10 years. But this has given him the kick that he felt he really needed. This idea of not necessarily defining ourselves in a particular way uh, and having some flexibility in terms of the way you see yourself and your place in the world. The things that happened with Karen were things that we would never have, we would never have wanted, but the number of benefits that we have reaped are countless. We would never have seen, we didn't see any of them coming. They're just, they're just positive things that happened as a consequence. You know, the way that I operate my business involvement or, or work on a daily basis is I, and I did this a long time ago, I, I didn't want to travel anymore. I mean, on a daily basis, because I used to drive at one point when I was doing certain financial work, I drove 30,000 miles a year. And I just didn't want to do that anymore. I was done with it. 
So now I work from home in all, almost all instances because that's how I wanted it designed. That's what would make me feel more at peace and just didn't fit anymore. So like you said, Tim, we have to look at who and what we are. And the wider that we leave that definition open, the broader we can be about it, the more capable we are, the more flexible, the more adaptable. As a little tangent off of that, someone asked, anxiety and fear of how you will survive because you can't work or have lost your job because of the shutdowns of the many businesses. How do I handle anxiety and fear of surviving? What do you think? Well, obviously, some of the things that we've already talked about, I think, apply. The question, I think, again, what, what we really need to do is to be specific. So not surviving, what does that actually mean for this person? Uh, how are they imagining not surviving? Once they've decided what that actually means and how they're picturing it or imagining it in their head, then they can click track it. But the idea of not surviving is a bit sort of vague and tenuous. So really it's how are you imagining this? What is it that you are imagining that is making you feel anxious, nervous, worried, scared? That's the question that I would ask this person. If they can answer that, then they can run a click track. Reminds me, I remember somebody I was working with quite a long time ago, and a similar question came up, but even more specific. I said, oh, well, I'm afraid of being homeless. I said, oh, really? Have you ever been homeless before? Well, no. You're afraid? Do you feel the fear right now? Yes. Okay, what are you imagining specifically? And they had this beautifully told story. <laughs> and what I mean by that is in detail of how this scenario looked. Never happened before or anything close to it, but it was so vivid. It was their vision of their future. So we took that vision, that imagined event, focused on that, tried really hard to feel the fear that was coming up, the emotion and the feeling that was coming up, and used the click track on it. Now, some people say broad and general terms like, what do I do about being you know, uh, nervous about the future and surviving? They say it in broad terms, but there's usually something specific underneath that, right? Yeah, there's, or it's, the, otherwise they're not going to be anxious about it in the first place. They've right. imagined certain things, Jeff, yes. And it, it's just, a, it's a case of identifying those exactly as you just said. There you go. That's right. And, uh, and, uh, and if you're working on your own, just ask yourself, why am I nervous about not surviving? What does it look like not to survive? And come up with an imagination, and it doesn't have to be accurate. And I, and I think this is a good place to put this point when we talk about memories sometimes that I learned from you years ago, where you said, okay, someone has a memory, they have this feeling that something happened to them, quite often when they're very young, two years old, three years old, well, I think this happened, or somebody told me this happened, but I don't really remember the details. Fill in the details with what you think happened. Just imagine what happened, and if it upsets you, click track that imagination. Yeah, that's exactly right, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, and the, the reason it works is because in order to fill in the blanks, the subconscious mind is going to go off and access bits of information which relate to real experience. Whether it's doing that in, within conscious awareness or whether, you, whether you're actually aware of that is pretty much irrelevant. But it does that because it's easier for it to use experience than it is for it to conjure up something completely from scratch. As long as you don't necessarily assume, you know, I'm imagining this, so it must have happened, because that's that's a, a mistake. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's the best way to do it. Another question here, or statement. Someone said, 
I've used these tools for several issues and they worked well, but not for money. Nothing has changed for the better in more than five years of using this pertaining to money. And number one, that's quite vague, as we would say. And I, we, I don't think we need to belabor that too much. It, we need to find specific reasons why. When it comes to money issues, is there anything different that someone really needs to consider, approach, or keep in mind when they're dealing with money issues, which again is very broad? Any, any tips on that per se? So we talked, because this question was about making money, wasn't it? Or changing their financial circumstances. Uh, it just so we- says issues regarding money. It, like I said, very vague. Uh, you take vague and multiply it times five. So, yeah. <laughs> well, if it's about- In other words, making- change, changing their, their financial position. Yes. In general. Well, okay. It's a, but yeah, if it's about changing their financial position, and we're going off at a bit of a tangent here away yeah, from the True, group. But, but I thought it was a good place to stick it. So. Yeah, I think it's yeah. probably quite a good thing anyway, you know, because at least we're looking forward, aren't we? Obviously, they've not specified exactly what they've done, so it's difficult to identify where that may have gone wrong. But as we talked about on Think and Grow Rich, which obviously is not all about money, it's about achievement and doing things which you find fulfilling and uh, you know achieving your dreams those sorts of things so it's not necessarily about money rich in life <laughs> rich in life yeah so that's that's what that program is all about and for some people that means money and for some people that means something completely different and we make that point in that program but one of the things that i remember we did talk about was that when it comes to money there's a difference between what you really want and what you think you want. And those two things are not necessary. They can be the same, but they might be completely different. And that if your values, your personal values, mean that other things are a priority, then the pursuit of money is not necessarily going to be very satisfactory for you or probably also particularly successful because it's, it's one of those things that you're telling yourself it's important but actually you don't necessarily feel it. There are other things that get in the way, commonly, I think, which are fears about change. And we've talked about anxiety regarding change on all three of these recordings. When somebody becomes more wealthy or has a, has ends up with a, a much higher income than they're currently on, then that can have an impact on things like friendships. Are they still going to have the same friends? How will my friends think about me or feel about me if I'm driving around in a duck, duck, duck instead of this old banger, where will I live? What's life going to be like? Is it going to be, there are all sorts of fears attached to making money because it also means a change in circumstances. Probably. I think it's about addressing the anxieties attached to it. And if that doesn't, so that's, that's an important step. And I think if somebody doesn't do that, they're not likely to get very far. They need to have a look and make sure that actually it's not something that concerns them, that it is something that they genuinely desire. And the genuine desire means that it needs to tie in with their personal values. And personally, a lot of people don't rate money particularly highly. Intellectually, they do, but in their heart, emotionally, they don't. And where those two things don't square, then... Typically, people will seek the things that feel good rather than the things they think will be good. By the way, I chuckled a little because you said, you know, the the car, the banger. And I hadn't heard that before. I always love hearing 
the guys, you guys in the UK and some of your terms versus ours, you know, we call it sometimes a clunker, but you said banger. And it's just, I don't know, maybe <laughs> it didn't help me. Anyway, when it comes to money issues, one of the things that I've found is that beliefs are huge. I mean, they are for a lot of things, but I mean, more so, and here's why. Number one, there are so many beliefs that are thrown at us in many subtle ways in our cultures. And it's done in such ways that we don't even notice. For example, there's a common phrase that almost everyone will agree on here that says money doesn't grow on trees, right? Uh I look out and I'm looking at the tree and there ain't no money. I mean, it is green. So maybe, mm, I don't know. Not realizing the implications of that belief, meaning the actual belief is it don't come easy. You can't just go out there and pick up money like leaves off a tree. There's all sorts of subtleties in that. And it's accepted by us because it was told by us very when we were very, very young. And so we pick up these beliefs from our parents usually or other people of authority when we're young in such subtle ways. And that's one thing to look at when it comes to money issues, especially on beliefs that are kind of global in a way, you know, like they apply to everyone and everything. The other thing has to do with our beliefs about ourselves and whether or not we're worthy and we deserve the money because the money is an exchange. When I give value, people give value back, sometimes in the form of money, sometimes otherwise. Money is just the exchange of value. The other thing is our relationship to money, which you kind of touched on and you mentioned, you know, a lot of people, they want money, but they feel dirty if they talk about it or they think about it too much or, or money is bad, you know, the root of all evil, right? All those kind of phrases, again, subtly seep into our subconscious and make us define the aspect of wealth, being abundant, of being rich and those kind of aspects. You don't get anywhere if you don't work hard. Those kind of phrases center around those kind of themes. So those are the kind of the things that we really need to look at, but relationship with money is really important. Can you have a close relationship with it or not? And I I don't mean rolling around on the bed with a stack of pills. That's not what I'm talking about. Can you appreciate the money? Can you, you know, respect it? Do you deserve it? That's a big one that I see a lot. Deserve or I'm not worthy. And again, those are still quite general. So we need to drill down a little bit. Okay. Why do you not deserve it? Why do you not feel worthy? Why is money evil to you or, you know, dirty or whatever they're expressing? So got to drill down a little bit and find out what are the specific reasons why you feel this way? It's either beliefs and or experiences. I've worked with a lot of people that it comes back to when they were children, they had had certain experiences around commerce, around business, around money that they observed their parents going through. I saw my parent um, working hard and making a lot of money and then got cancer and died. The mind will take that and put a connection together to keep you away from money, to keep you safe, to, to make it a little simplistic. But sometimes it is that simple. Make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. There will be lots of people, Jeff, with the belief it's not possible to make money during the middle of a pandemic. Mm, yeah. But there will also be people who see the pandemic as a wonderful opportunity with business. They're just going to be doing it in a different way. The people who are going to make money in the middle of a pandemic are the ones who see it as being possible because anybody else isn't even going to explore what it would take to make it possible. The reason why they don't explore it is because of some of these beliefs we talked about. They'll have an idea and then 
boom, shut themselves down because of that. So let's talk about this a little bit here as we start to get toward the end here of this three-part <laughs> miniseries. This first question or issue is I want to go into people that are business owners, entrepreneurs, and, and it would apply to those that want to be business owners for entrepreneurs. One person said, if you're a business owner or entrepreneur and you have a storefront business like a restaurant that has been shut down, what do I do with the fear of potentially losing my business totally if this continues too long? Anything different than what we've talked about a little bit here? No, I think we, I mean, we've probably covered all the principles that you can use under these circumstances. So obviously you look at the very, very specific fears, but also it's, it's a time to imagine new possibilities, I think new ways of doing things, not necessarily having a storefront business, doing something completely different, maybe in the meantime, or maybe permanently. Obviously, that's a personal choice. If somebody is very, very attached to one thing in particular, then it does start to become more problematic for them than it would be for somebody who isn't, doesn't necessarily see only the one route for their life to take. Yeah, and we talked about this on part one. You know, I think you and I are both feeling very, very relaxed about it, even though business-wise we've both been affected. You've, you've got a business over there in Hawaii, which has, you know, gone to zero. But we're not panicking and we're not anxious. We're okay. and We feel fine. And I think it's perhaps because we're looking at life knowing that there isn't just one route and we don't have to necessarily follow the direction that we thought we were going to take <laughs> a few months ago the way we saw it a few months ago because it, because it doesn't have to be that way it can be a different way and that different way might actually turn out to be better in the long run we don't know you know the the big picture and I, we we alluded to the big picture but I wanted to give a metaphor and especially for those over there looking at the pitch you know or the field when I can see the entire field I see the entire game how it's played and everything but if I zero in smaller 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 and now all I'm looking at is a one blade of grass and that blade of grass gets cut off and thrown away I think it's the end of the world but all it was, they were just mowing, getting ready for the big game. See, the problem is that we focus so much on any every little minutia that we don't step back and see a bigger picture and what's going on and seeing all of the possibilities that not only is there a bigger game going on, and if you learn the rules and you understand how it works, you can easily segue into it and, and work with it easily, flow with it with ease. But also, you can see that it's not just about one blade of grass, but it's billions and trillions of them. There's so many possibilities here. And, and that's what I think that you're getting at, Tim, in part is there's other possibilities. So the question to somebody, if they ask me, well, what are you going to do if that, you know, if your business doesn't come back, you know, or if it takes six years, do something else. That's the answer. And I just shrug my shoulders a lot, you know, because there's aspects that I don't have control over right now. Right now, the environment's in essence, shut down in those areas, as a lot are completely. When it, so to speak, reopens, then I'll have to survey the landscape and the environment and see how it is and how you know we could fit in if we can. From a practical perspective, Jeff, something that maybe people can do is consider what will be popular mm -hmm. when things start to 
normalise, and I'm quoting the air there because we don't know whether things will ever go back the way they were, but once the restrictions start to be lifted, what will people be looking for? There are things which, to me, seem very apparent, which is one of the things that people, I think, will want to do is to be more self-sufficient. They're going to want to grow more of their own food, probably. We don't know what's going to happen with regards to power. Maybe me, people would be looking at you know, solar and wind and those sorts of things because they want to be more energy independent so they're not reliant upon a national grid. Jobs within the sort of internet and IT sector will probably mushroom as a consequence of this because people have seen how important telecommunications are. The ability to be able to work from home and do things like that. So there's all sorts of things. If you If you sit and carefully mull over what direction things are likely to take and the kinds of things that people are going to be looking for, maybe that will be a better idea than doing whatever it is you're doing now. Who knows? But I think it's worth, as, it's worth thinking about. As long as there's people that want things, they have needs, they have wants, there will always be opportunity, period. And even if people shut down for a certain period of time. Most people, half of the day, shut down. They, they have dinner and then they relax, go to bed, depending on the time zone. People are shut down for about 10 hours a day and then they open up again and the demand is back. It always comes back. Now, <laughs> Sorry, Jeff, I'm laughing because that doesn't really describe things for me. Kind of simple, right? Someone else said here, I'm mostly concerned about my business. I was struggling before all this happened. Now I'm closed to the public while working online and unable to cover my rent so far this month. While I'm not usually the primary breadwinner in my family, the person that is has been furloughed, meaning in essence laid off. In the U.S., you you get furloughed and you might get paid, you might not, but you keep your health insurance, you know, that kind of thing. So it, it affects you financially. We are in better shape than most with two more paychecks before having to go on unemployment. That's a whole other can of worms there here. But it's still a concern. I've been listening to the Wealth of Abundance track off and on for some time now. But I wonder if there's more I could be doing, you know, to work on myself in these terms. Any suggestions? We've covered it, Jeff, really, which is to find out what the very, very specific fears are and click track those. Because if somebody's worried about things, it does make it harder to see possibility. I think I've mentioned on part one of this discussion about the virus that one of the things that I will almost always do is try and drop people out of this black and white thinking that I've talked about before, where people are very, very emotional about something. It's very difficult to get through that in order to change things for them or to help them to see things in a different way. So if if you click track those very, very specific fears and then you start to feel more relaxed about it, at that point, it becomes much easier to see some of the other possibilities. If you're simply stuck in this sort of worry, fear, anxiety frame, then that's what your focus is on and that's what your subconscious mind's focus will be on. But if you deal with the unwanted, unhelpful, negative, I'm quoting the air there, emotions, 
and clear those, then it's much easier to foresee possibilities. And whatever circumstances you're in, there are almost certainly some possibilities that maybe you haven't thought of. Again, on part one, I think I mentioned the fact that we're stuck in this house and we're likely to be for months because of Karen and the fact that she's on all of this immunosuppression and all the rest of it, not managing to get out of the house very much. We're paying somebody to mow the lawn, uh, which isn't something we've done before, but I know I can't spend a lot of time out there doing it. It could be that there are lots of people around you who need lawns cutting. You know, it's just one example. But you're unlikely to see those possibilities if you are stuck in a sort of worry frame. Once somebody lets that anxiety go, then it's much, much easier to look around and say, you know, what actually are the opportunities? Because it is very true that as as one door closes, other doors are opening. And, you know, many people are just going to be stuck looking at these closed doors, assuming that that is their only possible direction in reality a step to the side might open another door which would be far more successful and keep keep a roof over your head keep the money coming in i think at the moment most countries are saying that it's um, that even if rent isn't paid that landlords can't evict the people who are renting the places off them but I can understand that under those circumstances, lots of people are anxious about it. But I, th- I do think that that's the best way, Jeff, is to deal with these specific anxieties. Because once somebody reaches a point where they're feeling much more relaxed, you can start to explore possibility. If you're stuck in a sort of very, very anxious frame of mind, then it it's harder to do that. I usually talk to people about, and going back to the old Hawaiian phrase, nana ike kumu, First, we look for the source of that, the upset, the disease. What's the emotion? What are the beliefs? We, ad- we address those. And then we also turn to the same phrase, nana ike kumu, and say, look to the source. What I mean by that is we have two sources within our mind. One is an old mind model. It's based on the past, a lot of it in the subconscious. And that's what we're looking to heal or, or shift. What, the more clear I am, the more I can look to my, what I call, higher self, true self. It's this resource that all of us in our minds have that's incredibly fearless, resourceful, wise, and we all have access to it. But when we have all of these fears, we don't pay attention to it. We pay attention to the fears and that little part, that little part of the mind, the tiny mind that is so dedicated to one thing and one thing only. And that's just the animalistic, aspect of survival and that's it that's not a rich life number one number two it's a very limited perception because it is based on most of the stuff that we learned in terms of how we perceive the world it was done when we were very young anywhere from two or even zero you know to seven years old and a little after so a lot of it's based on such a limited perception not any fault of our own just that's the way it is and we need to help mature that part let our mind come together more harmony. And then we're not sitting there. like you said, looking at the fears, looking at this, looking at that. Now we're opening up to this other part of our mind saying, okay, what's the truth? What do I do here? What's the possibilities? And all of a sudden we get a flood of ideas 
And we've all done that. If you are running a business of any type, that there was a point where you paid attention to that inspiration and said, this is what I love to do. This is what I'm going to do. Or this is a business that I think would do really well and I'm going to go do it. Nothing's changed. Okay. Except maybe the landscape and the environment. And so maybe you have to change with it. Maybe you don't have to change. You just have to chill out for a little bit longer in this person I just read. Okay. They're okay for a couple more months. Okay. Maybe after the next month, things will pick up again. You'll be fine. You might have, maybe you'll have a little bit more debt or something going on and you'll pay that off. And in a year you won't even remember what happened. I don't know. There's a lot of possibilities that could happen. Or maybe you end up merging with someone or, I mean, there are so many possibilities, but we have to open ourselves up, open up our mind to those possibilities so that when they come through and we get that little suggestion, that hint, that idea, then we can grab it and run with it. As opposed to not only missing quite often the opportunity, not even recognizing it, but the other one, which to me sometimes can feel like worse is, well, I saw it, but I didn't take action because I was afraid to. So like you said, Tim, I agree. We've, we've got to, I say clearing and cleaning your mind is the number one priority in life. The rest, family and all these other things, when you take care of your mind, all that other stuff will get easier and you'll be so such a much better resource to them and the other people in the world when you do this. Sound good? Yeah, it does. Like I, said, I absolutely agree, Jeff. So the last comment I have, the last one is along these lines. And, and this person said, the future of the world I'm worried about because the lives and finances of so many families and individuals are affected. Personally, I'm not affected because I, I have a pension. So I'm, whatever happens, I'm, that doesn't change for me. But the sadness I feel for those whose lives have been so disrupted and made difficult. Is there anything I can do about that? Click track the sadness. If there's anything that you can do from a personal perspective in order to help other people, then you'll feel good about it. But click track the sadness. I think that's probably the best advice. And maybe stop watching the news <laughs> because they seem to be obsessed with painting the bleakest possible picture, which is why, again, like I said, we, at the very most, we see two minutes of news a day and then it gets switched off. We focus on other things. All right. Well, this wraps up part three and everything that came in. We covered a lot of ground. I understand that. I know that. There is some repetition, like we told you on the ons- at the outset, because the fundamentals apply to just about everything. But if you do have questions, there is, and there's some links on this page that you can see that this recording is on and various things you can look into, other tools that might help you other programs, the bait and the mentoring program, there's Think and Grow Rich with PS Tech. You know, look into those, see if they apply to you, see if, it, see if it might work for you. You have any final comments, Tim? The only comment I've got is an apology, really, that has taken us so long to get through so many questions. <laughs> that was a lot of material. <laughs> when you said, Jeff, there's, you know, we've got a few questions to go through, <laughs> I thought it was going to be far fewer than these. But it's been good. We have covered an enormous amount of ground. Absolutely. And Principles that we've talked about can be applied to anything, I I suppose. So if somebody's listening to this, obviously these principles don't just apply to the situation in which we currently find ourselves. You can apply them to anything. And I think the amount of questions, there's been some wonderful questions. So yeah, I'd like to say thank you to whoever sent a question. 
Jeff, because without those, we wouldn't have known what kinds of things were really bothering people or or what kind of topics to discuss. So it's been really helpful having the questions. Thank you to you for setting this up and thank you for organising those questions into some kind of order, which can't have been particularly easy. And um, thank you to anybody who's made it all the way to the end (laughs) (laughs) and managed to listen to the whole lot. You Give yourselves a pat on the back. Hopefully, though, you've got something useful out of it that you realise that you're you're not alone. We're in it together. Absolutely. And I appreciate your time, Tim, too. Thanks for the tips, the, the perspectives, you know, all the other work that you do as well. We, we Everybody appreciates it. And I appreciate, like Tim said, everybody for listening. Thanks for hanging in there with us. Keep clicking. Go out there and create in your mind a different kind of future. And then help you'll help others do the same as well if you do. Aloha. Aloha.